Kim is going to share with us her views on the topic information literacy in primary schools. What is it and should we bother? <laughs> so I think that's a great title. Um, welcome, Kim. Thank you. And do we have some Thank slides you. There for you? There are some slides, so I'll just um, show you where they are. I'm here. Yes, I'm not sure. Good afternoon and thank you for um, inviting me, Sue, to speak to you all about um, information literacy. When I started to think about information literacy and what it meant, I started reading and reading and reading and I don't know if ever you've typed information literacy into Google, but you will get a million things. And I thought, this is exactly what I teach or I say to the students not to do. And I thought, it's actually what I did. So, and often we do that, even when I had a COVID vaccine and straight away I typed AstraZeneca, how long before I need to have my next vaccination? And the things that came back were weird and wonderful. So, in this world, if even we as adults get confused by the information that we get when we're searching, how can we possibly teach the children how to make, um, how to make good decisions about the information that they collect? So, um, Di Ruffles actually wrote in the FYI Spring Edition of two, two, 2020 that the goal of school libraries was to develop information literate young people who are responsible and ethical participants of society and that we should be aiming to encourage and nurture lifelong learning skills, curiosity and a love of reading in our students. And I really think that that's, for me, one of the vital things of my role. Um, that's what I want to do. I want the students to be interested in learning and I want them to love to read. And I think that if I can have them have those values, then I'll be doing a good job, I think. So, um, so if we're trying to develop information literacy and skills, it's really important to know what we're actually trying to do. So um, we need to have an idea of, of what we mean by the term and why it's important. And then we need to think of actually how we're going to do this for the students. So in 1974, that was the earliest reference I could find to information literacy, and it was someone called Paul Zerkowski. And he first suggested the idea of information literacy, and he framed it as the ability to use information tools to mould information solutions that address the problems of individuals. And I think that still, when I was speaking before about, I had an issue about wanting to know how long I need to wait before I have a next vaccine. I need to mould the information that I get back to make sense for me to solve my information needs. So I think that, that is pretty, that's still pretty a good um, a definition. But this Chartered Institute of Library and Information Professionals, you'll be surprised it took them two years to come up with this definition for information literacy, and I'm sure we could have come up with it much more quickly than two years. I don't know what they were doing for two years. But they see it as the ability to think critically, make balanced judgments about any information we find and use. And it empowers us as citizens to reach and express informed views and to engage fully with society. And I think that all of us would agree that that's something vital that we need to help our students to, to develop these skills. So, 
In a world of information, dis and inf information and disinformation overload, it becomes increasingly imperative for all of us to be able to critically evaluate the welter of material that comes our way. So I certainly was overwhelmed by um, the information that I got when I typed a search into Google. So when planning what I'm going to do with the students who I teach, I think it's really important to go back to the curriculum documentation. And I know that um, Heather today spoke about the Australian curriculum. Um, if you're a Catholic or a state school, you'll be using the Victorian curriculum. But they're very, very similar, the Australian and the, um, and the Victorian curriculum. So the Victorian curriculum, um, at least four it has four capabilities. But the two that I think are concerned with information literacy are the, the critical and creative thinking and the ethical capabilities. And um, I think that they're really important when you come down to trying to teach information literacy. The Australian curriculum also has um, capabilities. They've got seven capabilities uh, because we have, in Victoria, we take three of the capabilities and just Im embed them into the, um, the language of the the curriculum for each subject, but um, they also have a critical thinking and an ethical understanding um, segment of, um, it's embedded in the Australian curriculum as well. And so I feel that when I'm talking, especially if I'm talking to leadership in my school, that it's important to, embed in, to ground what I'm doing is something that's actually in the curriculum, written in its own it's explicitly stated by CARA and VCAR. So, what does a critical and creative thinking, um, critical and creative thinking capability from VCAR, what does it actually say? So, it says that we aim to ensure that students develop understanding of thinking processes and ability to manage and apply these intentionally. And I think the word intentionally is really vital when you're looking at um, trying to teach information literacy because you want them to actually think about what they're finding and how they are going about finding and creating in new information and thinking critically about it. Um, skills and learning dispositions that support logical, strategic, flexible and adventurous thinking. Um, sometimes I wonder if I really develop adventurous thinking in my students or, you know, there's sometimes that, I don't know if you have it, but I sometimes have it, that feel the need to shut things down as well instead of having them go off. And I really have to say to myself, no, you need to have them exploring and developing their ideas. So you also want them to have confidence in evaluating thinking and thinking processes across a range of familiar and unfamiliar contexts. So um, I think that we really need to develop critical and creative thinking skills. So the ethical capability. In um, when they, people first started to talk about information literacy, I don't think we thought so much about the ethical implications of what we do with students. But I think that this is, this is all vital. So um, if you think of a student, well, using Heather was talking about using TikTok today or um, copying and pasting from the internet or anything like that, that involves thinking about the ethics of what we're doing. And I think that we want our students to grow up to be to, ha to think about ethics and to be ethically correct, I suppose. Um, but we want them to analyse and evaluate ethical issues and recognise areas of contestability because not everything is going to be clear-cut. 
We want them to identify the basis of ethical principles and ethical reasonable reasoning, engage with challenges of managing ethical decision-making and action for individuals, and to cultivate open-mindedness and reasonableness. Um, so I think that they're vital things, and the Australian curriculum has much the same, um, much the same ideas. So what do we actually aim to do once we have implemented an information program? What's the outcome of it? So Asla says that it's to develop students who are able to be aware of their information needs, ethically use information for a given purpose, locate relevant and authoritative information, select, analyse and synthesise a variety of sources, create high quality products and to evaluate the success of the process as well as new understandings required. So um, I'm sure that all of you probably are doing this in your, um, in your programs, but I sometimes tend to fall, not fall back on, but when I have a parent-teacher interview, most parents ask me, how can I have my child read more? What can I do to engage them more? I've never had a parent say, um, how, do you teach, how can you teach my child to be more critical, a more critical user of information? And actually they're quite surprised when I will then show them our library libguides of the type of information and the type of things that I speak to the children about. And they go, oh, you do that too in library. I don't know if that happens to you, but it certainly happens to me um, if you have to do parent-teacher interviews. Um, so we've seen this a million times. So the information process is defining, locating, selecting, organising, presenting, assessing and reflecting. And this is what ASLA has said that we should do. But actually, how do we do this? Um, I have a program that I start with PrEP, so I have a program that runs from PrEP to Year 6, because I teach all of the classes from PrEP to Year 6, of how I think this should be. But actually, I'm really interested in hearing what you all do as well, because um, you know, you do things, something for a while, and you think, well, how could I shake it up? How could I change it? So, with the PrEPs to Year 1s, um, I don't know if any of you know these books. Has anybody used these books? Could a penguin ride a bicycle? Um, could, a, could a shark do gymnastics? It's a range of, um, it's a book, they're books that have uh, facts and crazy things. So uh, the little ones really love these things because as soon as they see could a penguin ride a bike, and especially when they're just starting to read, they think it's hysterical. Uh, so we, I read these stories and then I get them to look at how do we search for information? That is it true? Could a penguin ride a bike? Um, you know, penguin. Well, if you had a penguin to stay in your house and it ate all those fish, or adult penguins feed the baby penguins from their mouth, they just love these things. So then that leads into a, a discussion about where do we find information? So then we go to the non-fiction shelves and they start to look at um, the physical books on penguins. Uh, when they, then they like to move on to the, the other animals that are in this series as well. So there are a whole series of these books that they like to read. Um, and I find that it's a good way to have them um, look at information. So I think that when I was saying that sometimes I, you know, sometimes I feel that I might shut the students down, I think it's really important to have open conversations with the students and let them speak because they're never going to learn anything by just sitting there and listening to me, or that's what I think, and that's what I was talking to Heather about. Um, and I have, we were talking about, I've got a three and a half year old granddaughter, and I like to listen to what she says and to validate her, 
her ideas as well, and I think that's really important, and I don't know if we do enough of that in schools because we're so busy trying to get through a curriculum or trying to have students reach certain benchmarks or read the right books or do the right things. So um, I like to ask them what their ideas about where you can search for information, and some of them will say, you know, on television or um, on the internet or on the iPad. A lot of them say the iPad, not the computer, because they are more used to using iPads. Um, and then even at this stage, we discuss whether a source is reputable. Like, how can we trust this information? And I think that this is really important for five-year-olds, six-year-olds, because just, I think last Sunday, I read in the paper about a 10-year-old child who'd had social media for three days and the mother took the iPad away at the end of the day and found this someone was um, Snapchatting all this um, pornography. So, you know, she felt terrible and I think we need to help students or help children to um, decide and talk about these things as well because... If something like that happens to a child, they obviously will feel bad. They might want to, mightn't want to talk about it because they'll feel embarrassed. We need to have them talk. So, and that's, you know, what's reputable? Is, is it reputable when somebody pretends to be someone else? Is it reputable when, um, when people are, are talking about a computer game and then send you a picture of their penis? Is that a good thing? No, it's not a good thing. Um, so, yes, I probably wouldn't talk about that with the girls, but I certainly would talk about... Um, trusting people. So, where could we look? How do we look? So, that's what really the junior program is, um, looking at those things. I tend not to do too much internet searching with the little ones, because I like them to engage with books and text, but um, I'm quite open to hearing what other people do, because uh, I think maybe I should advance beyond that. So, with and then with the year twos, I, I think it's important that they know how to use a book and this I might sound really old with this I don't I don't know but um, you know I know that we're a prep to 12 school and we have girls who are doing year 12 history and some of them you you know they're doing ancient ancient history they get a book and they look at it this thick and they're looking for a particular person or a particular time or in history or a particular event and they just look at the book as though to say well where, where am I going to find it? And so, you know, so this leads to that. So I talk about the book cover, how often you can tell what a book's about by the cover. So, um, you know, what's this book about? Then we look at, you know, the title page, the title, the author, the publisher. And, and this is also goes to the authority of who's writing the book and who's publishing the book. So, you know, Heinemann is an educational publisher. Penguin is a good publisher. When Mark Martin was talking about um, he got published by Penguin, he self-published, and then he was picked up by a publisher as well, and probably that led to him selling more books. Um, we look at the contents. So, you know, what does the contents page tell us? We look at the back of the book, index, and it takes longer when you're doing it with um, grade twos because they all have a book themselves and they're all telling me their favourite page or what they're really interested in, and then they're all swapping it and they're all reading it. And I never knew that kids could be so... I've got a whole set of these types of books. So it's all the same book but different topics. And they are so interested in all of these things that I would never have thought that they would be interested in. Um, so they love to read the glossary. 
you would think that it was, wasn't that interesting, but um, they say that it's better than having a dictionary and it's quicker. So, um, so that's you know, so that's going from the preps ones to twos. Yep. So for, th for this, when I'm doing this, it's mainly because a lot of them like to borrow the cooking books. So they love cooking books, and, but they don't want to read all the recipes. So if they want to make chocolate cake or something like that, then it's really good for them to go to the recipes. But I, that'll be something that I include, things that don't have indexes. How do we use them? Yeah. Yeah, because, well, how do you use it? How can you possibly use that book? We just have to read all the pages. Because, you know... I'm in the, our library's prep to 12 as well, so I deal with senior, senior kids and, um, you know, and I'll say to them when they're doing an assignment and they come up and they might borrow a book and I think, well, I say to them, well, you know, you could spend five weeks doing this assignment, but would you rather do it in one week? And of course they all say one week, so then I say you have to be targeted in your use of finding the information and of um, using, if they're using books as well. And, you know, sometimes they still do use books especially for something when they're doing medieval history. You know, what does a baker do and how do they... So, you know, you, oh, you're seeing... You're, is everybody here senior? No, so some of them, you know, they have these same topics that come up. Um, so, so that's what I do with the, the little ones. So we, I like to talk to them about where they get their information, where they think they can find their information, but also start to include um, using a book. So with the year threes and fours... I don't know if you can see that, or you might be able to see it, but basically you can see the, the, the thing that they have to actually fill something out for me. So this is using online encyclopedias, and I'm really lucky to be in a school that we have access to World Book Online, Britannica Online, um, we have um, e-books online, we've got a lot of resources that we can use. So um, I start them with an online encyclopedia. And then we also talk about why I don't have a hard copy encyclopedia on the shelf. And uh, it was really easy when Greta Thunberg first started to, to raise her head and all the girls wanted to read about her. And we'd look at, try and look her up in the encyclopedia that was on the shelf. And she wasn't there, but she was straight away in these online encyclopedias. So with the Year 3s, I like them to select a topic of their own so that they're doing the research, so they're more interested. And actually, last week I did this with them, and quite a few of them wanted the human body. And I thought, oh, this is interesting because a lot of them have had makeup and all of these things. But the human body, I think, has suddenly become interesting. I know that year fives and sixes are always interested in the human body, um, but the, the little ones were this time. So they told me that the, organ, the biggest organ was the skin and all of these things that they were telling me about. So then they have to write down what their topic is. What, what words they'd type into the encyclopedia, and then I, you know, write down three facts. Uh, you'd be surprised how many children don't look at those, you know, like even just filling out a form. This, and this helps them to do that because this is what they're going to have to do when they get older as well. So to fill in fact one, fact two, and fact three, but a lot of them put it right up at the top. Um, so, so we talk about reading and, you know, following the instructions on a sheet as well. Uh, so... Anyway, so that's with the threes and fours. With the fours, they do a more targeted um, thing where they do the first fleet. So I will ask them, so it's a different sheet, but I ask them to write down three facts that they know already and then they find three more facts because 
I did this with the first fleet for the year fours once, and I found that they all said the same things. There were 11 ships, there were 750 convicts. You know, the three things that they had learned, they didn't really have to do any research at all. So anyway, so I like to, I like to do this targeted research and also to keep discussing with them where they will find information and how they'll use indexes more specifically. Something that is, I, I always say to girls, um, things like in, a, in an index, when you have something like 6-12, often they think it's 6 and 12. And I tell them in 1975, when there was the English exam, you're all too young to probably remember that, but in 1975 there was an English exam, the, the end of year one, and it had something like used cartoons 6-13, and a lot of people used 6 and 13, and there was a big furor because they said, oh, kids can't be expected to know that 6 to 13 means you include all of them. So we talk about things like that as well. So, you know, we do a lot of talking in my classes. So, with the fives and sixes, it's definitely more targeted. So you'll see that this is the information process. So, um, so we go through, you know, step one, what are you being asked to do? And I find that this is, um, we've got a wonderful librarian, Kirsty Graham at um, Loretto, and she does wonderful work with the seniors. And we tend to follow, try and have the same, the same message from junior to senior, so that when the girls go up into the senior school, they're still following that same regime. So it's a habit as well. So we're trying to develop good habits in them. So, you know, identify the key words of your topic, anything you don't know, try and find out what it means, um, and to look at the specific requirements. And this is also back when the threes and fours are filling in that form or they're filling in that sheet, remember you have to read what it says to do. So um, then where are you going to look? So we're lucky that we've got a lot of print resources and we've got a lot of online resources as well that they can use. So the next thing you've got to do is look at the... So this is really breaking it down into what you're actually trying to do or what we're trying to do. So the quality of the resources. Uh, is it current? So the kids love to think about is something current or not and does it matter whether it is or not? So, you know, if I'm talking about, um, you know, I say if you're doing an assignment on computers and the book was written in 1960, do you think it would be any good? Oh, no, that would be terrible. But, you know, if you're looking at Henry VIII, maybe a book that was written in 1950, it would still tell you the names of his wives. So I like them to critically assess what, they're, what they're, the information that they're going to be using. So is it objective? Um, you'd think that they wouldn't know something that was objective or not, but they're pretty good at actually telling me what objective, what's objective or not. And is it accurate or authentic? And they say, well, how will we know if it's accurate or authentic? Because we're reading it. How do we know? Because we don't know anything about the topic. So then we talk about, well, then you can cross-reference with maybe another website or another book, um, and that that's a really important thing to do. And with the AstraZeneca thing, I keep on coming back to that because that's... And if anybody knows whether I can have my second shot at 13 weeks or if it's not, a, not um, effective then, that would be good because I can't find anything on any government websites or anything about it. I would appreciate it. Um, you know, you have to cross-check. And then who's the intended audience? Because if they start reading things that are supposed to be for professors or doctors or scientists or someone, you know it mightn't be of use to them as well. And is it authoritative? So they like, is it authoritative as well? Does the person know what they're talking about? So we talk about, you know, Britannica and World Book are two places where you can start. And I, 
I say to them in their research, and I didn't take my own advice, but when they're starting to do research, start with, find out what you want, go to somewhere where you can trust, see how much information you can get from those sources, you might get everything. And then if you do get everything, that is really good, you're finished. But if you don't, then you have to go and look for some, you know, some other place. But I say start at Britannica or World Book. So then, when they've got their information, what do they have to do? So they have to put everything into their own words. Sometimes they ask me why. Um, and I say, because it's stealing, really. But if they can't think of another word of saying it, they love to say things like, but what about if it says the giraffe ha is, has a long neck? And I say, well, that's not really plagiarising because that's common knowledge and everybody knows that giraffes have long necks. So sometimes they worry because they, uh, we put things into a plagiarism checker and they like to do that too, but then it means that as they're doing their work, the next assignment they do, they, then they email me and say, Mrs Hauser, it came back with 45% plagiarised. And I say, well, what, what was things that were plagiarised? You probably just... That was okay. It's not, it's, that's not important. But I like them to start to think of these ethical, ethical uses of information. And also the idea that they develop their own ideas. Because uh, I always say to them, they're going to be the people who are running the country, so I want them to be clever and I want them to know what they're talking about because they're going to be having to look after me. So, using a bibliography I think is really important as well. Um, and I don't say that it's a way that we're just checking on them. I say that it tells your teacher how much your research you've done, how, where you've got the information, because your teacher might love to look at, um, at where you've got information. And this goes back to when I, what I do with the Year 2s, the title, the author, the year, the publisher. I also do that with the preps as well. As soon as we start looking at picture books, we, look at, we interrogate the whole picture book, the cover... They love looking. Uh, they love it when there's a dust jacket. I didn't want to say that to Mark Martin, but they love it because we look and then see if the same picture is under the dust jacket. Um, so they love to see if it's the same picture or a different picture. They like to look at that. Usually the the blurb isn't on the back of the book; it's on the inside cover that they find something. You know, they really like a dust jacket because it's got information about the author on it. It's got different information than from a, a, a paperback book. The end papers they love, but we also look at the title page as well. So when the threes and fours, I have the three fours every week, they have to do a um, book review, all of them. You have to get up and do, do a presentation. So I say it's good for them to practice getting and doing a presentation so that they can be confident speakers um, and they have to do a certain number of things, but they also have to do the publisher as well. Anyway, that's a... And the URL if applicable. So... Why do we reference? To avoid plagiarism, to show that you've done research and to show your teacher how widely you've researched. And then we look at what plagiarism is. And I say that also it's, it can be by accident. They don't, maybe don't mean to plagiarise. And I tell them about when I was in Year 7 and I did assignment on, I still remember, on Mount Everest and Sherpa Tenzing, and I thought I did a great job. It had a little book, and I thought I changed all the words and everything. And, they came, she, and the teacher said, you just changed the words, but it's the same thing. I know that it was written by someone else. And I was humiliated and embarrassed, and I said, I don't want that to happen to them. So, um, and even from copying from a friend. They say that that's not plagiarising, but I say it is. Um, <laughs> so, I, we also do note-taking skills in Year 5 and 6, where they have a patch of text and they have to put dot points and then have to fold it over and just write their own words, write it in their own words. So I think that that's good practice as well. 
take notes by hand, it makes you summarise as you go. It also helps them with their, um, with their writing because in Year 12 they still have to write their essays and often they get out of the habit of doing that. Um, so then we look at evaluating websites and this is really important, I think, for them to start to look at what makes a good website. Because um, I say, if it's, if it's cheaply done and it hasn't got a good layout, it might be that the people who wrote it don't really know what they're doing or they're not really up to date with um, uh, what's happening with, with their subject. or you know. But anyway, it's always good for them to have a look at and to, and to have, think of these things. So, um, so, this judging for accuracy, and it's so important, I think, and it's so hard to do. If you think of all the misinformation that went on about Donald Trump and the um, elections in America, um, whether we should be having certain vaccines, travel overseas, it's, it's just a, all these things are a minefield. But they have, they, have to, they have to work out where they can get trusted information. So, uh, so wh who is the audience? I like them to think of that. And does the information appropriately address? So if it's for, designed for children but it's using language that children can't understand, well then it mightn't be a good website. And is it relevant for what you're doing? Authority. They love this because I talk about our principal, who's Dr Susan Stevens. She's a very re renowned academic. She... Um, examines for, uh, the, for the music, she's, she's been on Girls Sport Victoria boards, she's a very educated, authoritative person. But I said, what about if we wanted to know about elephants in the zoo? Do you think, just because Dr Stevens is very good at education, do you think she'd be good at talking about elephants and looking after them? Or, you know, cutting elephants' toenails or doing things like that. So it's to look at some people, they might be very educated, but that mightn't be their area of expertise. So to look at that as well. So they, they do, they laugh at that too. So, um, so the credibility. Um, so, you know, and the basic things of has it got spelling errors? And that's something on the internet that we didn't really, when I first was a teacher librarian, because we were very targeted in what we had in the library, we only bought things that were authoritative and good so that the students had a limited range to choose from. We had the vertical file but also what we cut from the newspaper and put in there was only what we thought should be in there. So really the task for the children was to just gather the bits of things they needed, put it in their own words and that was their assignment. Whereas now it's a much more complicated process. Um, a bibliography. I say that people who do things on the internet should give you a bibliography too so that you can check where they got their information. And this being biased, um, so we talk about if it, was, if it was just about Christianity, the people might be biased against maybe being Jewish or maybe being Muslim, so that you have to, have to think about these things as well. And if it's personal opinion, it's not wrong to have a personal opinion, but you have to realise that that person has got a personal opinion and they're doing something, you know. So if it was the Hawthorne Football Club... Um, Website, it's not going to be saying, gee, I love Carlton, I love Geelong, and St Kilda's the best team ever. So it's not that it's bad, it's just that they have to be aware of it. Um, is the information up to date? When was it published? Are the links all working? 
Then you look at the URL to look at these things. So, and I know that you might think this is ridiculous to do with grade fives and sixes, but I think it's really important because they're using technology probably more than all of us. So I just look at the .edu.gov.gov.com ones, and then they get to look at. There's this website that you know you've probably seen the octopus. Have you seen the tree octopus? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, this is the same type of thing. I dehydrated water, and already they're because they know what we're doing. They're already saying that. Why would you dehydrate water? But you know they go through all the menus and. Um, you know, find that testimonials, what it really wants you to sell dehydrated water, but it wants you to give them money and they're not going to give you anything back. There are no contact details, so, you know, how are you even going to find them to pay them the money? So they have a good time with that. So, again, I stress importance of using reliable online resources. I tell them a bit, I give them a bibliography. And then this, I think, is becoming critical. Staying safe online, am I nearly bumped off? Sorry. Okay. Oh, okay, sorry. Staying safe online, and I think this is vital. So, this, and I know that I'm with primary ch children, but um, that they shouldn't download anything or look at anything unless um, their parents approve. And I think that at least if their parents have a knowledge of what they're doing, although that child whose parents gave him access to some social media and then a couple of days later she found all that pornography that, that a man was sending to her child, um, she had given the child access. So it's just really important that I think the children are aware of these things as well. Um, they can use child-friendly search engines and we certainly have them on our LibGuide to keep the passwords secret. And I think to engage the parents as well. So the um, e-safety education, I think that I've, I've done PD through them and I think it's great. And you can also have um, students doing it and parents doing it as well. So um, to be aware of these things, I think, is that you start to think of these things because it's, yeah, it's really dangerous. And I suppose once a child is damaged, then you, know, you don't know how long well, if they'll ever get over it, really, or if they'll ever trust again. Um, so I find this is... So this is, again, pretty much more of what we were, um, we were talking about before. Um, so, again, I, I don't think you can reinforce this too much with children, and, and I, it's not that we go on forever and ever and ever, but I do talk to them about all of these things. Um, so... Um, so, here's my reference list because I didn't want to do things that didn't have a bibliography. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I, I just think it's vital. So, I think it's really important to discuss things with, with the students um, and what their information needs are, where they think they'll get things. Um, so, going back to those defining locating. So, in the early years of primary education, I think it's really important to get them to think, what do they need? Where can they look? How will they know that they can trust it? How can they present it? Because I think presentation is really important for them as well. Um, before, we used to have like posters or they wrote an essay, and so they can present it in a different way. And I was talking to my sister, who's a kindergarten teacher, and she was saying for them to be able to present it in a way that they can retrieve it. That's what she thinks of when she has three and four-year-olds. 
how can they retrieve that information? Because these, those little ones aren't writing it themselves. They might be drawing or doing something, but somewhere where they can feel like they can get that information for themselves back again. So I hadn't really thought about that. So um, think about how you can put your mark on the in information too. So spin it for yourself. Um, acknowledge where you got it from. Reflect on the, on the process. Now, all of these things, I mean, I'm lucky that I have a school that has a lot of resources. We've got LibGuides, we've got online resources. But in the olden days, we used to have something called Pathfinders, and I think that you could still have, if you don't have access to any of these online resources, you could still have a Word document that has um, the name of the website, a little bit about it, and the link, so that they could still do this type of a research, a targeted. And I suppose in primary schools, I think that we should more be guiding them to good information than letting them just go wild. So, the older, for older, older students to target decent things. Anyway, that's what I do at school and I don't know what you do, but I'd love to hear what you do. So, has anybody got any ideas of what they do? Yeah. 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 How do I fit I might talk about doing it at a moment of need. I think every moment for them is a moment of need because they are always on the internet. They are, have computers, they have access to computers, they're researching. So I don't think it needs to be tied to their school. I think that is something that when you go back to the, um, that, I don't know, what was it, the second slide? Um, this one, it's, it empowers students, it empowers us as citizens to reach and express informed views and to engage fully with society. I think we can say that it's just got to do with school, but I don't believe that. I could say it, but I believe that it's something that they are using all the time. So, um, so yeah, whether they're doing it in, in history, the first fleet or, you know, electricity or something like that for year fives or sixes or whatever, I don't think it matters. I think that if you reinforce these ideas, it's something that they will get into the habit of doing and thinking about. And it doesn't need to be that I show them the whole of all of those PowerPoints. I'll just talk to them about that. And I do it, we do, um, so we do a little bit of information literacy and then reading as well. So I also like to have them borrowing and filling in their reading record and doing that as well. So yeah, it is crowded. But I think because they're interested, they like to hear about these things and they like to talk about safety, they like to talk about what's online. So those conversations that you can have, um, I don't think have to go, that doesn't have to be half an hour or an hour or anything like that. I can do that, I can talk to them about that in five minutes. And maybe five minutes every week of hearing someone say something reinforces it. So does that answer? Is that, oh no, but just, yeah, no, but it is things that I've thought about because, yeah, yeah, so it's just that reinforcing, yeah. Just to follow on from mm. that, um, would your school use the same 
school I'd focus. Uh, it's a school I'd focus from the library. Yeah, from the library we all use we all use that. Throughout the other. Oh, I'm looking. Um, Um, they tend to come to us when they're doing a research task. They to come to us first and we go over whatever's happening. We introduce the libguide or talk about the bibliographies or something like that and then they'll go off and do research. But I think that these defining, locating, selecting, organising, presenting, assessing and reflecting, I think they're pretty much what everybody should be doing. I suppose that they get used to that we that we do it, and this is what they they expect to interrogate the question. And and I mean they're the same things that whether they're in grade five or they're in year twelve that we still expect them to do at school. So I don't know, but in individual classrooms, I can't actually tell you what all of them are doing. I I think that sometimes in the primary classroom. Um, Maybe they're not as clear about this. And actually, when I was reading, uh, and I haven't put this in as, as a reference, but I was reading about um, a Swedish study where um, they found that primary school teachers were too embarrassed to come to the teacher librarian to admit that they didn't know how to do a search or didn't know how to find information, so they tended to stay away. And it was this special word, this, I don't know, flugenblocken, or I don't know, I can't remember what the word was. It's dismissive, I shouldn't have said that. But um, um, it, was, it was a word that the teachers were too embarrassed to come and see. So I think to get the trust of your teachers is really important. And I, that can take years, I think, over a couple of years. It's not something that they will straight away come to you and say, oh, I'd love you to help me with this. And they get fixations, I think, too, as we all do, on certain, oh, that person can help me do that and that's the only person who can help me. If that person leaves, then oh, everybody else can't, nobody else can help me and everybody else is hopeless. So to develop good relationships with teachers, I think, is vital. Um, and that's just through saying over and over again, if I, you know, if I say, if you want a libguide, let me know and I can make you a libguide. And if I say, you know, I've been saying that for five or six years, and some, you know, last week, a teacher who'd been there in all that time asked me for the first libguide. So it's that repetition as well and then feeling that you can offer them something. Also, if you're judgmental and say, well, you should do the information process like this because if you don't do it like this, you're not doing it properly, they will never come. So you have to have good relationships with the staff. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is not nothing new. Nothing new. Nothing new. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in terms of that, those words are used throughout. Yeah. Yeah, like I was with those preps and, and all everything. Yeah. What countries did they choose? Oh, I was going to say, because that's what... 
because I am. Because mine, France, France, Italy, Jamaica, and Canada or something. How did you come up with that? Nicaragua. Nicaragua. Okay, that's good. Yep. Central America, what part of North America? Yeah. And something that they want to research too. I like yeah, to find something that they want to find stuff out about. Yes. Um, can I just suggest yeah. Um, yeah. Good. Yep. When I first got to my school, it was um, a PYP school, and I was given a very um, a wonderful brief by my head to create practical timetables by researching in addition to a browse and borrow session, mm. which is all I had. So the browse and borrow session was more um, teacher based. Mm. Also need to remember that they're children and they do forget and you have to go over it and again and again and again it's like child learning to walk they don't just get up and go walking they fall over and then they get up and then they fall over and then they get up and then they do a little bit more walking learning nursery rhymes they don't learn all the nursery rhymes at the same time you have to go over it so that repetition as well I think is really important but um, look thank you for listening to me um, and anyway I really I like it when kids 
come to me and say they've found something by themselves and that they're interested in something. And I love it that when I walk through the playground, they all want to tell me something and they all, you know, they're all interested in research. So um, thank you and um, yeah, that's it. Thank you. <laughs> thank you.